0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Glowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by my good friend Jonathan O'Neill, who's taken an alternative stance and a beautiful game with his new app, Head Coach. John, welcome
1: to the show. Here's Connor mate. thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming.
0: Long time coming, uh, plenty of Zooms to get here, but uh, glad we've <laughs> we both had the time in our busy schedules to schedule this chat. But, anyways, Johnny, I'm sure like we both know each other's career journeys inside out by now, but um, just for everybody listening, could you elaborate a bit more on your own unique footling journey today?
1: Yeah, how 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 long have I got? <laughs> Where do you want me to start?
0: I think there's a limit on the Zoom call, so hopefully, <laughs> no more than a few hours.
1: <laughs> no worries. Well, uh, uh, you know me. I'm from Belfast. I'm from the same island as yourself, albeit one island there are much different cultures on them. So I was brought up in North Belfast, which is a bit of a, a football hotbed. So I was a Cliftonville fan, which is the oldest club in Ireland, um, oldest stadium in Ireland too. So I've been following them from I was about six years of age. Uh, that's probably where my passion started for football with my dad bringing me to the games. And then on top of that, I think around the same time, you would have had Arsene Wenger signed for, for Arsenal as the manager. So I suppose... My teams have always been red, and it's all fused together from there. So that's where my passion for football came from. Started coaching when I was about twenty. Went back to school, did my BTECs, HTNs, grads, post grads, all that kind of stuff. I did my post grad in coaching. While I was doing that, I was working for a football club called Saint Mary's, which is a grassroots club in Belfast. They're one of the biggest in in Ireland. So I worked there for about seven years. Moved from there once I'd done my B license and went to a club called Knuck where I spent a short period as an under-20s coach. Just around that time, about six months in, before I missed my uh, Northern Ireland Cup final with my team, I ended up signing for Vancouver Whitecaps. Went there to work as a provincial academy centre head coach in partnership with Canada Soccer, where we ran their high-performance programme from U15 to under-18. Spent about a year and a half there. um, ended up going with Burnley, their foundation, to be head coach of a Chinese project they had over there. It was their biggest project they had at the time. And unfortunately, with COVID, everything went to dust pretty early, released from the contract, and then since then, I've been a bit of a football nomad. So, yeah, that's pretty much my journey in football now. It's been a lot of leaps and bounds and forward steps and backward steps, but it's certainly been a a drama, to say the least. Yeah, it's really
0: interesting, just... Fascinating the level of detail and insight down here your, your, jo- your, your own unique journey, Johnny. I suppose Arsenal and Cliftonville being one unique mixture. But another unique mixture you know, would be the role of emotional intelligence within football. And that's what I know you're doing currently at this moment with your new app, Head Coach. I mean, could you just describe succinctly for us all listening? I mean, what exactly is EI and how does it affect performance on the field?
1: thing because the thing about emotional intelligence is it's interpreted many ways there's multiple models for it there's been a lot of research put into it the past 20 years but to put it maybe very simply emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize your emotions how they impact you how they impact your performance whatever that may be whether it's at home in the workplace coaching and how it affects others around you and then how you can potentially recognize other people's emotions and how can we manage that that relationship and it's funny because they say that but there's been a lot of interest in research recently one of the research things i looked at was a girl called lisa feldman barrett where she's a neuroscientist and she says that humans more or less overestimate their ability to understand and recognize emotions in other people so i suppose for the sake of our argument um for our conversation we'll speak about understanding your own um, emotions how it impacts your performance and if you want to go into a bit of a rabbit hole with the other side then we could do that too so yeah that's way I would look at it
0: Very interesting and um, I suppose with the latest research that's coming out on AI John I mean would you take from that that we ourselves as coaches need to become more emotionally intelligent or do you would you argue for the fact that there should be an individual separate coach like much akin to what we're seeing now in football with set pieces, coach, um, mental coaching and whatnot. I mean, should there be separate emotionally intelligent coaches for the players?
1: I mean, when we speak about mental and we spoke about, spoke about emotional intelligence and, and, and psychological and all that, I'm all for a multidisciplinary team. I still think that the coach has to embody and know a bit thing or two about each of these things and also put it into practice. So there's certainly something to that the reason that I like the emotional intelligence model is because there's a million psychological models out there. But for this, for me, for, for, for me as a coach, it kind of covers everything because the model that I use instills confidence and adaptability and empathy. If you're a coach and competitive drive, if you're a player. So yeah, for me, I think that it's key for a coach to have emotional intelligence and if he doesn't, He's going to have to have someone really close to him who's able to understand him and convey his message because if you think about intelligence itself, it's probably the ability to recognize patterns and it's probably linked to your football understanding and competency. But you can be the smartest coach in the world and have the deepest understanding of the game. But if you don't connect with your player, you're never going to impact them. So if you don't have the ability to create a relationship, then you're never going to get it across to the player. So I think there's something about football ability Football competency in relation to understanding tactics, game insight, execution, periodization, all that kind of stuff. But also, how do you bring it across? And not just in your session design, how do you speak to people? How do you manage people? How do you manage yourself?
0: Speaking about EI in isolation, it's completely logical, right? How we react as humans to each other and whatnot, how we speak to others, how we see ourselves in front of others. But when we look at EI within football, you know, it sends a shiver down many a spine. And I suppose you yourself taking the football coach route in your journey to date, and doing the EI stuff now on the side, Johnny. And um, there must be some, you know, formative experiences you've had in your youth. I suppose growing up or in your early, earlier coaching days that has, I suppose, focused your energy or allowed you to channel your energy. Look at more at the EI side. Would I be correct, Sam? Yeah, hundred percent. There's
1: certainly a cultural element to it it's funny because we spoke about this before and these things are really common sense and i could swear when i was in china and i was trying to uh, uh, translate emotional intelligence into chinese the direct translation was common sense something along those lines but as we spoke about before like common sense isn't too common and when you add all the variables into life and and how difficult it might be for someone to manage themselves especially if you spend most of your life like not conscious of what you're doing particularly if you haven't developed those kind of skills and your self-awareness, then it's going to have a big impact. And whether you know it or not, Um, it's going to happen. It's probably much more dangerous, if that's the word, for you to not know than to know, you know. You know, football,
0: it's still a place where, you know, I mean, how is common sense or EI evaluated on the coaching course? You know, the last time I checked, there's no certificate to send it out for either.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because the way I look at it, one of the most important parts of emotional intelligence is probably how you project yourself and how you speak to people. But one thing that I was always lucky with with my coach educators when I was going through my, my licenses or right up to A licenses, you're projecting your coaching voice. So how you project yourself is going to rub off on others. And that's, that's a big part of it. And just to go back to what you were saying about the, the cultural piece, it's funny because I think it was when I was doing my postgraduate in England in around 2015, 16, I was speaking to another guy from Belfast called Paul McVeigh. Paul played for Tottenham Hotspur for Norwich. He was an academy performance psychologist for Crystal Palace. And on the phone one day to him, he asked me the question. He's from Belfast. And so obviously there's certainly something to, to the culture. He asked me, did I know what emotional intelligence was? To so which I said, no. And then there was another funny piece where I was literally just about to step into the module on it in my university course. Um, so it all went from there. And it really opened a new rabbit hole. And I would really say that Like we've spoke about before, we probably have it implicitly because some of these skills are linked to your personality and the way you're, the way you're brought up. So like good manners and how you speak to people is kind of basic, right? But yeah, I haven't spoke to Paul and done a lot of research from them and then practiced it, not just on my players, but myself. I've really seen the value in relation to expanding your potential, not just as a coach, but off the pitch too, because surely it all goes together if you're a coach.
0: Yeah, I suppose like to go down another rabbit hole would be rude of us not to, now that you mentioned You know, you've coached in Ireland, the UK, Canada and China, you know, three or four very, very different cultures right there off the bat. I mean, there would have been some, I suppose, facets of the coaching practices and each of those countries that you would have absorbed, others that you would have discarded. But I suppose if you're going to take us through, I mean, what were the key differences linked, I suppose, to how people treated each other, how they delivered sessions and how EI was kind of incorporated into session design and and all of the above.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I think in terms of incorporating it into your sessions, it's always going to come from you and who you are and what your values are and what you believe. And that's going to transcend onto the pitch into your players. I think from when you're coming from Ireland, first thing you have to think about is that coaches aren't paid a coach so you got people who are probably great coaches and could really go far with it but there's no money involved so they probably come after work after working and have wife and kids and then they're throwing a session together one thing you notice about kids back home is is they always have a good rapport with their coach so surely that's that's the basis for for any of it whether they have the platform to then go and maximize the potential of their, themselves as a coach improve the players football ability and then themselves is another story So there's certainly something about that when it comes to Ireland. In Canada, the difference in Canada is everyone has a platform to excel because they get paid full-time for their job. So I could swear that most Irish league managers working at the top level in Ireland wouldn't get paid as much as an academy coach in Canada, um, who isn't in a professional academy because it's pay-to-play. So everyone has a platform to fulfil their potential. We have, I mean, when I work for Whitecaps and you see their facilities at UBC, it's... I think it was like something like $30, $40 million to build and having been at a couple of MLS facilities like the Swope Park in Kansas City and even going to Barnfield with Burnley, like they have as good as facilities as any Premier League club and the systems and the setup they have is equal to a Category 1 because they have a great menu there and they can put it all together because they have the money. So there's certainly something to that. And then it would say that there's a different kind of resilience with a Canadian player due to that. You know, it's as opposed to a, pla- a platform had that, that is different. Um, session design is very interesting in Canada, as you know from listening to John Herdman. He's done a great job over there in terms of their coach education department. So I certainly took a lot of stuff from there. And in terms of tactical understanding and game analysis, I learned a lot from some top, top coaches in, in Canada, probably more than I've learned anywhere else. <laughs> um, in the UK, probably similar to Ireland, but then there's a feel of things different. This is where football's from and there's the home of it. Think sometimes coaches can get a, bit, a little bit lazy though because they think i'm from here so i know everything about football haven't been to canada and met some coaches there are better than i've seen elsewhere in the world that's um that's certainly not true um so that's a shout out to the canadian coaches more than anything in their coach education system i do know that they speak about transformational coaching and leadership which would be tightly aligned to emotional intelligence so there's certainly something to that in canada when it comes to china Coaches are very, very different. And I know you're going to speak about a quote later from Wenger, but they're obsessed with isolated technique because their culture is very point in the finger, do what I say. Um, there's a lot of that. But the thing is, from what I've seen, the coaches were still loved by the players and the players still love their their coach. So it's just interesting how the cultural part might um, might change what you might frame EI as in that place. It's huge. And it's certainly, you know, a football has certainly come on leaps and
0: bounds in the last few decades as well to topics such as broad, such as this. Um, recently, Simon Cooper obviously has penned a fantastic book on the inside of Barcelona. And in the audiobook in distance at the moment, uh, for some reason, Rud Hullett was brought up. But anyhow, Rud Hullett was asked by Simon Cooper about the differences between players in Holland, Italy and England, the three nations where you played as a player. And he says, in Holland, everybody loves to think and they and all the players think they know better than the manager. In Italy, all the players love to think. That they always, you know, they always respect the manager. And then Cooper noticed. Hullot said nothing about England, and he asked him so. And he said, "Look, England's not worth asking about." All the players just go around laughing in the dressing room. <laughs> you know, which was a fascinating yeah. kind of uh, comparison. But um, you know, just to revert back, I mean, one thing you know that you mentioned earlier on was about you know, providing pathways for players, which I'm particularly intrigued to kind of hone in on. Um, One book we've gone back and forth with on numerous Zoom calls recently has been Transcend by Scott Scott Barry Kaufman, and you've put me in touch with his podcast, which is fantastic, by the way, Psychology Podcast, where he kind of um, debunks the original Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, this latest research, which has come out from Kaufman on transcendentness, I mean, could you just explain a little bit about that, Johnny, and how that, you think, could impact the future player and coach?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can probably relate it back to my own coaching journey as well. I'm coming from Belfast with no full-time football, and not a lot of jobs. Like, my dream has always been to, to make a career for myself in football and, and fulfil my potential, whatever that may be. So the way I figured it out was you go work for an MLS club, then you go maybe work for a Premier League club, and then you figure it out from there. So like when I sang for, for White Caps, it was a great job, great people, great, great platform, good money, everything was perfect. Um, everything I had wanted. But then you get there and you're sitting, you're reflecting, you're going, well, well, is this it? Is this is this what I wanted My I was chasing and what I was struggling for and fighting for? Um, and then you probably confuse that with your meaning in life, right? Your purpose or what you're here for. But the, the, the more I look back, that was probably just a goal and a signpost as a measure of that I had achieved or I had got somewhere. Then I realized that wasn't enough, that wasn't everything. And then you start to reflect on what, what other aspects of your life have you sacrificed to, to get here and, and how does that all tie in? So I think since then I've been in deep thought about what it means to, to, to self-actualize itself and it, it's what is fulfilling your potential. And that's, that's true for a player as well as a coach. Because what 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 great, great is it to win the European Cup if if you have no wife or you're lonely or you have no friends or you're unhealthy or like are these things you should sacrifice for something like that? And obviously it depends on your values, right? But for me, the way I look at it is you can have your cake and eat it too. And what I'll refer to is probably if you think about a player who's just retired and he has has lost his meaning in life because everything was tied around his identity of I'm going a footballer, that's me, it's who I am. And then when that stops, well, well, who are they? And we all know the stats about alcohol and drugs and money and all the issues that footballers have. So there's something about having a, a deeper intention related to your identity. You know, I'm not just a coach. You're also a friend, a person who's part of a group, i.e. humanity. We're also an individual. So how do all these things tie together? What What is my ideal life, I suppose? Like how would I wake up every day and want to spend it if it was my last? And how do I tie my intention to my long-term goals? Something around that as well. We know, we know that Jordan Peterson always, always says that you can't have positive emotion if you don't have a long-term goal or an intention. Mm. So there's certainly something around the identity of it, who you are, who you want to be, how you, how you mark off signposts in relation to that. And if, it, if it's okay, if you don't make them, because that's going to happen, right? So it, I suppose it's about being okay with who you are We'll also having one eye on who you want to be or what you want to do wise
0: wise words johnny but like when i come back to the whole time is um a podcast i've shared with you, daniel goldman a psychology podcast or i think vice versa you shared it with me goldman had a great quote "Who's like iq gets you into the job eq determines your performance within it and for me like look we've you know unbeknownst to people listening to this podcast we've had a lot of Zooms now going back and forth recently about session design. And, you know, we see the fallacy of language. Yourself and me, we're trying to explain very similar concepts, but using completely different terminology. So for me, you know, is sense-making and self-actualization like two sides of the same coin? You know, there's one, maybe there's one level greater than language, there has to be, which is intuition. So when it comes back to EI, at the end of the day, it's all about developing you know, that trust within your players. If you don't have that trust within your players, how can you begin to describe these concepts, even within yourself?
1: Great question, mate. Yeah. Uh, when, when you say that, is there a difference between them? There's one line in front of the other. What I think about when you say, what is sense-making? Is sense-making how you perceive the world in relation to the information that you have, i.e. How, what you've read, what you've understood, what you've experienced? And the other side then is how you manage and regulate that in relation to how you see it. I think I think that's the way we're looking at it. it probably is two sides of the same coin.
0: It's interesting because, like, you hear the likes of Thomas Tootle speaking about his Chelsea last season, you know, how he revitalized that squad when he came in the doors last January. And he spoke about, you know, it's the formation, it's the principles, their lived experiences. We live them day by day. They enact these scenarios like the players when Azpilicueta is playing right centre-back or Jorginho when it's back to goal or on the side turn receiving the ball in midfield, they've lived out that situation hundreds, if not thousands of times before, which you would expect, which would be prudent of a top-level coach like Tuchel. But like, you know, zooming back out, now that we know what EI exactly is, how can we actually improve it on the field? I mean, what would be some of the techniques or I suppose practices the best-in-class like a Tuchel or Klopp would use raise emotional intelligence within their
1: players. I think it goes back to what you said about language and the language that we use because language regulates other people as well. The language that you use is regulating other people, affects how they feel how you feel regulates impact, sorry, the language that you use. So like for Tuchel to come in in a short period of time and, and win a European Cup, obviously there's a million variables and luck, et cetera, et cetera. But he didn't have a million years to, to fit his game model in. And a game model for a level of coach like that will probably take a year, maybe two to implement. If you look at the Eaglesman now and the, the, the Bayern team compared to his team the year before, the year before, like the complexity isn't there, but the basic principles are there. Maybe there's something to do with and I'm just speculating the, the way Frank Lampard, an ex-professional player, who thinks... Because he's played, he he knows everything or knows how to talk to people or this is how it was done. Maybe there's a bit of a different way than someone like Tuchel, who's an experienced coach who's had to manage himself and top, top level players from a hierarchical position. I suppose even if you look at it like that, maybe he doesn't. Maybe that was Frank Lambert's issue. So, yeah, there's certainly something along those lines to it.
0: Interesting because there's obviously been those before Tuchel as well. You know, Tuchel hasn't responded overnight. You know, he's learned from the greats, he's had case studies there before him. And I suppose one of the OGs in this respect was who you mentioned earlier on, Arsene Wenger, who's had a great quote that I've been sitting upon for a few years now, where he speaks about football being the only sport where you first focus on execution before decision making, which is quite an damning indictment of many coaching curriculums. but just goes to show, like, it is the norm, whether we like it or not.
1: It is the norm. I mean, even the places where you see the education has been given, it goes against what people believe and what people think to be true and even what they identify with, so they struggle to do it. So, yeah, I don't know if it's an issue and we could, we could probably debate all day, isolated technique, blah, blah, versus, you know, but I, I don't even think that's a debate. It's just, I mean, Arshman, there's probably no better man of the research that he's done with uh, Jared Jordan and everybody else. He's been to that for a long time. But I mean, if we're going to decide something and then execute it, we have to take in variables first before we decide what to do. So, I mean, surely the best thing to do is to take in as many variables as possible or the most important variables, which would be obviously your perception or your vision, what you see. And then obviously you make a decision from that and then you execute it. So yeah, it certainly is back to front. And it was a big issue when I was in China, trying to explain it to their coaches who are obsessed with technique, technique. And then I gave them the Raymond Verhae quote, quote, well, it's like, "What's well, your execution in football is technique is not execution of a technique. It is in gymnastics, but in football, it's an execution of a decision. And then the decision is something that's taken in relation to the information you've taken in. So yeah, I mean, that's something we'll, we'll fight with forever. Luckily for me and you, we don't have that issue. So, yeah, we have our own environments whereby we can implement what we see.
0: It's really interesting because, like, the more and more you learn about AI, the more and more you speak about AI with, as knowledgeable people, such as yourself, John, and you go down, you know, rabbit hole upon rabbit hole. And it's like, you know, once you think you're not a master of a subject, but once you think your knowledge is sufficient in an area, the latest research comes around and quashes it. Which you know kind of leads to my next point in question. I mean, you talk about your lived experience there in China, saying although you know there was a very much a hierarchical kind of coaching position there, where basically the coaches were dictating down to the kids. You know, as to, you know, I'm the coach. you are teaching technique in isolation. All this emotional intelligence stuff sounds a uh, you know very tiresome. You know, treating each player as their own separate identity, you know, focusing on how they see the game, focus on how they learn. I mean, can you see why coaches, perhaps in traditional setups, are put off by the topic?
1: I mean, you can see why anyone's put off by anything. Because one of the biggest parts of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And that means looking at yourself and how you behave and how it impacts others. And people don't like to do that. It's the worst. Thing ever short term to be very critical of how you are. You know, so there's certainly something to resistance. I, I think it just in a, in any sports psychology domain, there, there's always that because they don't see it as something tangible, you know, when they see it as buzzwords and woohoo stuff. But I mean, if you think about it, like we were speaking about, if if players' brains are the most important thing, i.e., the information they take in, how they perceive it, etc., then surely them having a regulated brain state is key to their success as a player and then to performance and also learning and improving ability so surely as a coach if your language and how you manifest as a coach impacts them surely that you would want to do that too so I just think it's about giving people tangible tangible tips and guidelines to actually improve it you know because People separate psychology from, from football. But to me, like the best coaches are psychologists and the best psychologists are probably coaches. Because if you think about coaching as a pure science or art, it's essentially about people fulfilling potential, whether it's football or whether it's something else. And even if it is football outside that too, looking at the player first or the person, sorry, which goes back to the whole transcendence, um, self-actualization piece. It's
0: interesting though, because like Where I think the problem lies is that we misinterpret football a lot of the time. Obviously, one game in 90 minutes is a finite game. It is zero sum. There's a winner and there's a loser and there's a fine time period. That one game of football within the course of a season, within the course of a few years, is within an infinite series of games. So, like, for me, you know, when I look at yourself, Johnny, just having spoken to you before, I know for a fact, I mean, one of the reasons you set up the app was, of course, you know, you want to develop a niche in America, you want to build a brand and whatnot. But I know success for you would be if you had people out there that would take inspiration from that and compete with you. Because overall, that's going to raise the awareness of emotional intelligence within football, right? And the more people you have engaging with AI within football, the better it is for you and any other competition. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, what do you have to say about that just in terms of, you know, football being that zero-sum game that we're brought up. Because even like, you, you can't say that nowadays. The player, perhaps, what, you have a 15, 20-year career at best when you're a professional. But that coach, you know, you've been coaching for the past 10, 11 years. And I hope, you know, and I know you do, you have hopes and aspirations to coach for the next, what, 20 or 30 plus. So for you, football is very much an infinite game.
1: It doesn't stop me. There's no finish line. There's no end. The game is only a piece of a puzzle, right? So I'm always thinking about how do I maximize my potential? How do I make sure I'm in the best shape mentally, physically, for the players so that I can, when I'm learning and improving, as well as a coach, that I can give it to them. So I think it all goes together. And, and I think that's where I'm lucky because it's tied to my, I suppose, my life intentions, what I want to do with life if I want to be the best coach, then i got to be a better person. If I want to be a better person, then I better get a good enough sleep, better reflect, better be grateful every morning when I wake up. So then when I go and speak to people, I'm not bringing them down. You know, we've all, we've all had it. We've all been in environments for coaches, you know, like emotion is contagious, bad mood, bad energy is contagious. So if you're the architect of that, you should be very, very careful and intentional, particularly when you're working with children and you can impact them for their lives. And one of the, most satisfying things for me about coaching is that I have contact with players that I from I started coaching till the last team that I had I have an emotional connection with them because I care about them I want them to get better and yeah that's that's for me it all goes together so there is no finish line when it comes to football I just hope when I do finish when I'm 80 or 90 if that's how long it takes (laughs) that damn I can look back and say that that was the same case for the next couple of decades. Goes back to
0: what you said earlier on, Johnny, about signposting the type of person you want to be. You know, it's huge, just the small details, so I'll add up. But I suppose, like we've spoken upon on this podcast and dissected, you know, some of the best and worst case examples you've come across in practice. But at the very top of the game right now, I suppose, I mean, who are the best emotionally intelligent coaches that you see out there at the moment?
1: I mean, Jurgen Klopp, in terms of him being able to engage the emotions from players, you know, sometimes people think about emotion being absent or something like kind of Zen guru stuff, which it can be sometimes, but there's certainly something about being able to manage people to the point where they're going to run through a brick wall for you. And that comes from passion and relationships. And that's certainly tied to his emotion. I think in terms of using an emotional intelligence framework in particular, you're probably talking Graham Potter from Brighton. I know that he did a university degree with some kind of particular in emotional intelligence. I know that he did have a very successful career in Scandinavia with it. I am sure that he has taken that to Brighton and it's probably like a values-driven approach with principles. And I do know that their performance and wellbeing department has merged, which is something that I look at my own like definition of performance is. you can't define it as separately from well-being so yeah and even even having spoke to his assistant on my a license um bruno who played for him as a right back the year before like he was a top top guy there was no one more friendly on the course you, you see a lot of people who give it big time and it's probably the i'm okay you're not okay frame there was no ego from him there was no um anything other than help and you could feel the passion and the warm positive energy from him so i'm sure that that's that's something that graham Potter has envisaged and then put into practice and and Brighton as you see they're doing pretty well now I don't know about their XG and their um, goals against but they're certainly doing well right now I don't know what standard deviation I'll have to say about it in the next 10 I think the XG is eventually caught up yeah yeah that could be it too much luck (laughs) it happens it eventually has to come around doesn't it exactly it just it just
0: goes to say it all like I mean as we've said plenty of times now, there's no separation between who you are on the pitch and who you are off. And, you know, if you can get away with it being a player, so be it, you know, as you elaborated upon there with Bruno, that wasn't to be the case. But as a coach, I don't think there's any room to be hiding when it's very much a merger of your personal and professional life. And you're spending the bones of 12, 14 hours a day planning sessions, delivering sessions, doing feedback analysis and whatnot. So, like, that moves me into my next question. And man, as busy as yourself, you know, when it comes to coaching, you've taken a big plunge now to launch your own app, the head coach app, which I'm pretty sure will be very successful, Johnny. But I mean, what was the initial idea behind the app? And can you tell us a bit more about the functionality of it?
1: Yeah, 100%. It's probably an amalgamation of a lot of things. I wrote a paper in about 2016 in university about the modern player and what it's going to take to get to the top level, maybe when you're around 17, 18 in the top academy. Obviously game intelligence is a massive piece of it. But the other part that we looked at was was physical competency. You don't need to be a physical, you don't need to be a freak. You need to be competent physically because there's many cases like I even look at Paul McVeigh or like even the likes of Lionel Messi that they're they're as quick or quick as quick as someone in the Irish League. The difference is how they perceive and execute and decide of course but I thought there was something missing from looking at it just from an emotional stand, standpoint or like a an intelligence standpoint, I wanted to, to look at behavior as well. So I've been playing around with behavioral models and I, like, I really like habit models and habit tracking. So when I was in China, I was thinking of a way to impact the players off the pitch and on the pitch as players and as individuals. <laughs> And obviously wanted to tap back to their, their, their long term goals and who they are, because you're not just going to build habits for no reason. Um, so basically, the way the app works is you'll have a chief definite aim, and it's just kind of like a long term goal or a dream or an intention. And when you go into the app, you'll type it in. You'll have a little board, like a little bit of a profile where you'll see your quote. And this is the thing that you're looking to work towards long term. And how we go about Reaching those goals, obviously, is your habits every day, because how you, how you live, the little habits that you have every day is going to be what you spend most of your life doing, right? How you go to sleep, how you wake up, what you do in the mornings, what you do in the evenings, etc. So I thought a good way to implement an emotional intelligence framework to the players was to be as one of the habits to deliver mental skills, such as confidence, resilience, flexibility those kind of things. So the way I worked it is we have a habit tracker that's built into the app and it's based off Maslow's hierarchy of needs very loosely, of course, because as we've said before, Maslow um, hated the pyramid. So basically it's about monitoring and tracking your basic habits, such as your sleep, optimal nutrition, having enough water. All these things are key. Even when you're thinking about emotional intelligence, like to have a good sleep is probably more important than, than anything else because you wake up in a bad mood and with not a lot of sleep and and that's not too great. So on top of of the basic habits, you have a choice to build and track other habits with the one non-negotiable one being a wellbeing journal. So you can reflect, develop that self-awareness of how you are acting, how you're behaving, how you're feeling and how it affects you and others around you. And then the other one being the emotional intelligence strategies. So if you train Monday and Wednesday, you'll get a notification on those days with the strategy. So, let's say within the periodization, the confidence is the one. So, it might say display positive body language at all times on the pitch today, something along those lines. And then there's also like a well being tracker. And obviously, well being is very ambiguous, it's very hard to define and even measure and monitor well being. But what we believe is that people should take control of their own well being and their own performance and their own personal development. So it's just a way for you to measure and monitor your well-being as well as build and track good habits and then build that emotional intelligence, those mental skills required for life and for the pitch.
0: There you go, everyone. First, we've had the theory from Johnny, now we've had the practice of how it works. Sounds absolutely fascinating, to be honest. Can't wait to get my hands on it once it's out there in the app store now, John. But um, I mean, I know there's, between us anyways, there's good news in the horizon for yourself. But um, I suppose you know where I'm going with my next question. I mean, what does the future hold for yourself in a coaching capacity?
1: Do you want my, my dream or my, my long-term goals or my short-term goals? Because I know we spoke a lot recently about having, having a plan. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I had a 10-year plan up until last year. It's funny because some of those same posts are cool because you can obviously want to work at a top level. Fulfill your potential, whatever that means. But then what are the tangible goals and signposts to get you there? So I have one more assessment for my A license. What I would love to do after would be get on to my pro license. But to do that, that is should be working in a particular environment. So I suppose it would be about being in an environment like that. Short term. I'm not too sure, not too worried, because what I know from the past couple of years, having, having plans, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. As Mike Tyson said, so even before COVID happened, the reason I had left Canada was because I had visa issues. So I jumped over to China with Burnley, thought that was sorted and then COVID happened. So luckily I was prepared for that six months in advance from the, the setback I had before that. So right now I'm just waiting for an opportunity where I can work in a good environment with good people where I'll be challenged and stretched. So I'm hoping that something comes up soon, but before that we have the app launching before Christmas. I think we're two weeks away, three weeks from the beta stage. We'll do a six-week test with a club, a professional academy. And then after that, we'll launch it. And hopefully, coach. I know coaches will like it. And we just hope the players do too, because it was built as by a coach for coaches and for players. So the coaches who maybe are a bit hesitant or don't have the time to spend developing those skills or developing the structures without interfered in their practice, the kids can have this little app they track and monitor and themselves. And yeah, I'm hoping that, that that pays off for me in the next foreseeable future.
0: And you know, someone like yourself, Johnny, obviously you've lived the dream coaching in so many good professional environments. I mean, you've developed a side project there, a side hustle now that's going to become, you know, so um you know so much about what you are going to do. In terms of being a coach within the next five to ten years, and with everything combined, I mean, like cultivating that niche. I mean, what advice would you have for others that would be aspiring to go down the footballing route, and perhaps cultivate that little niche for themselves, such as yourself?
1: Number number one would be believe in yourself. No matter no matter what it is you want to do, no matter how crazy you think it might be, because there will always be people who try and put you down or whatever you want to call it um so always believe in yourself but then commit to whatever it is you want to do and then hold yourself accountable to the commitment because anyone can believe anything but it may not be true you may not be working towards it but then a monkey can also work hard so make sure you believe something there's a direction and you work to it and then i suppose learning don't don't stop learning always learn because like we said before like you're talking about emotional intelligence there's new research comes out you're going to have to adapt or die so learn everything you can keep learning differential learning go to different people on the same subject see what you come up with don't let it interfere with what you think yourself as long as you can just affirm, back it up and then adapt in relation to your new learnings so yeah believe in yourself at all times commit to it just learn whatever you can whenever you can and adapt in relation to whatever new information you have and be passionate about it passion and have the underpin it all don't don't be having something or going for a goal because you think it will make you look better to other people or because it fills a hole from something, make sure it's it's something you're really passionate for and you'll look back and be like I don't regret any of it regardless of whether I achieved or succeeded and then that I suppose goes back to how you define your success right so that's that would be my advice
0: Always words but like you know every time we jump on a call Johnny you learn something new from yourself but even by your standards tonight you know it's been a terrific chat and I know it's so many people listening to this podcast on relevant platforms, we'll get so much from it, I mean, it's already, I'm here trying to think of asking you questions, and in response, I'm thinking of Jesus, I'm falling short here in X, Y, and Z, but it's been absolutely illuminating, and I suppose, you know what, like, you're not really that much of a man for the socials, but uh, (laughs) where's best to keep up today with yourself and the app,
1: yeah, it's, it's funny, mate, because I'm very, very social. I just have never been big on personal social media or, or the other stuff either. Um, don't rule out in the future, but if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at Jonathan J-O-N-A-T-H-O-N at headcoach.app A-P-P. So I'm always interested in connecting with other coaches, other people in football, whether it be session design tactics, the emotional intelligence stuff, and, and I'm sure hopefully in the future we can get a deeper dive into that at some point because to be honest mate, I love your questions and I don't think you fell short at all, it's just when you're passionate about something, we could go on for a few hours, right, so yeah, looking forward to getting on again.
0: Yeah, that's the idea leave, uh, <laughs> leave some energy in you for round two but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, second those words from Johnny, if anybody's interested in reaching out to John to speak about anything about emotional intelligence uh, work of the mind when it comes to football, um, search to site execution models He's certainly your man and um, Johnny listen one more time thanks very much for coming on it's been brilliant pleasure
1: mate as always I'm sure we'll be on again not so this in the future <laughs>